0: Good morning, church. Let's stand together. We are going to praise God. I hope you're ready to do that as well as the choir comes in. And we are just so excited to have you at Fellowship Baptist Church today, standing on the promises of Christ, my King. There are many promises in God's word, and you know what? He keeps them all. So let's sing to him as we praise him together this morning.
1: Standing on the promises of Christ my King Through eternal ages let His praises ring Glory at the highest I will shout and sing Standing on the promises of God by the living Eternally my love, strong core Overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword Standing on the promises of God Standing, standing Standing on the promises of God Every moment to the Spirit's call Resting in my Savior as my all in all Standing on the promises of God
2: you've ever given and God we do praise you and thank you for it thank you you promised a redeemer thousands of years ago you promised that you would come to save us and indeed you did Jesus Christ God the son came and paid the price for our sin and now you promised us if we put our faith and trust in him we can have eternal life Oh, how wonderful that is. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us so much. And we ask you, God, to bless this service. We wanted to honor and glorify Christ. We want to bless you. God, you have something for us in this service today. I pray that every one of us would get exactly what you have for us. Teach us to know you better. Teach us to love you more. Draw us to yourself, God. We love you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We do welcome you. It's good to have everybody here. Uh, I see some people making their way back that have been gone for a while. People getting, getting healthy. That's a good thing. Some of you are here for the first time, and we welcome you especially. If you're watching online for the first time, we welcome you also. We do have, if you're here for the first time, if you did not get one of our welcome packets, we do have a connection card. It looks like this. It's in the pew right in front of you. If you're online, you can go to our website. Just click on I'm new here. There's an online version. We encourage you to fill that out. We want to pray for you. The first thing on there right after date, which is today is February 4th, uh, your prayer request. How can we pray for you? We pray for every request that comes in, and I don't know anybody that doesn't need prayer. So please, if you would, fill that out. You can give it to the ushers on the way out, or you can do it electronically. And if you will give us your email address, we have a special gift for you. We can only send it by email. So if you would, please just give us your email address. We're not going to sell it, uh, but we would like to send that gift out to you. We'll get that to you today. And we do very much appreciate you being here. God brought you here today today for a reason and we do pray that this service will be a blessing to you this time we'll have our video announcements
3: good morning church as you've probably heard by now we are sponsoring a church in trujillo peru This church is just getting started, and we want to be a part of all that God is doing to reach the people of Peru with the gospel. We're going to send them significant financial support, passionate prayer support, and so much more. As a matter of fact, that's what this announcement is all about. This August 5th through the 13th, we're going to be taking a missions trip to this new church that we're supporting in Trujillo, Peru. And of course, we want all of you to go who can go. So if you are interested, please click the link in your newsletter to tell us that you want to be included on this trip. And if you don't yet have a valid passport, it's time to get the process started now to avoid all of the stress of waiting to the last minute. There's going to be so much more information coming out about this church and about the missions trip, but for now, make sure it's on your calendar and click the link in your newsletter to let us know that you're on board. Our Missionary of the Week and our Missionary of the Month is one of our missionaries in Asia. This dear brother and his family were forced out of China and moved to Taiwan, where they are planting churches and continuing to assist national pastors in China. They are raising money for the Chinese Christian Leadership Summit, which will help the national pastors in China. The money is needed for transportation, lodging, and food for these pastors and their families. Please give as the Lord leads and pray this week for our missionaries in Asia and for Taiwan.
0: And He is all we need, isn't He? Amen. Let's stand together. Through it all, He remains faithful in our lives. Our choir sang this last week, and this week we'll sing it as a congregational song. Think about maybe the things that have happened in your life and how God has seen you through it every single time.
1: sorrows. I've had questions for beyond His precious blood. The sinner's blood
0: awesome to praise God together. And this doesn't even compare to the worship and praise that we'll give him in heaven one day. Won't that be glorious? Amen. Amen. Thank you for your great singing. Please be seated. Alana Bellamy has special music for us this morning.
4: Say this mountain can't be moved
2: Amen. We need to believe for miracles. Our God is still doing miracles. We're going to take a few minutes to pray, and I invite you, if you'd like, to come to the altar at this time. That song is—it's a great song, and it reminds me. Um, was just not that many months ago, less than almost six months ago. Now, my wife was in the hospital and critical condition not expected to live and uh, this doctor came in didn't know him um, she was in ICU and big tall guy and that song was playing on uh, my wife's phone she didn't know what was going on but we had that song playing and he said oh C.C. Winans she's great I thought wait a minute you know C.C. Uh, Winans is wonderful Christian singer and he told me a little what was going on. He said, do you have any questions? I said, yes, because we were having a problem with something. I said, yes. And he said, wait a minute, brother. Take a breath. He said, we know who we're trusting. He's got this. This is a doctor I never met before. And God sent this godly man in and said, you need a hug, son. I got you. He said it's gonna be okay. And by the grace of God, I was told this week by another medical person that my wife is a miracle. Amen. Amen. I already knew it, but medical people. There was some there was some insurance issue. It's too long of a story, but the speech therapist called me and Couldn't get her in because they keep doing the referral wrong. And the speech therapist said, well, my biggest concern, because I said, really, I don't even think she needs speech therapy anymore. She said, well, my biggest concern is to help her with cognitive deficits and, and thinking and reasoning. I said, she doesn't have any problem with that. She said, what? That's amazing. I thought I didn't know she was supposed to have she couldn't believe she didn't. She had, for those who don't know, she had a very bad blow to the head, bleeding on the brain, 1% to 2% chance to live. Uh, it's not, she, she's getting there. She still has some balance issues and not real bad, but a little bit of balance and fatigue. Doesn't have her strength yet, but God is good. And she's here this morning, so amen. praise the Lord for what he's doing, amen. So let's, let's pray. Father, God, you're good. You're good. I look around, my wife is here, and it's a miracle, God. And not just me saying it, medical people saying it's a miracle. We thank you for it. I thank you, John O'Neill is, is back with us, all that he's gone through, and T. Smith, and, uh, and Muriel's been dealing with COVID, and they're all here, and Rebecca Morgan. God, we're trusting you for their complete healing what you have started we're trusting you to finish and we pray for ken harriet he's not been able to get back here yet but he will for harry mosby god we pray for joseph franklin that precious young man in the hospital down in miami bless him heal him lord we lift up pastor chuck's grandmother know that worldly speaking she'll soon be with you and the same with katie's grandfather god unless you intervene He's going to be with you. They both know you, and that's wonderful, but God, we're still asking for a miracle because you're still able. They're in your hands, they're your children. We trust them to you. Lord, we lift up the situations, the wars in Israel and Ukraine. We want peace. God, bring peace. There's a lot of wicked men, wicked people behind these things bring peace and use both of those situations to bring people to Christ and now, father as we look to your word bless it use it use me in this time to preach give me the words you once said I don't want to say anything that you don't want me to say and I don't want to leave out anything that you do want me to say so God give me uh, free me by your Holy Spirit to preach your word and i pray as the word goes forth that it would fall on the ears ready to hear to receive god that we would go forth from here as your word says being doers of the word and not hearers only so help us god to listen to hear from you and to go forth doing exactly what you want us to and father if there's anyone here today that does not know jesus personally as their lord and savior Draw them to yourself. Bring them to Christ today. This would be the greatest day of their life if they came to Jesus today. And, and Father, I also want to lift up our, our, the pastor in Peru that we're supporting. His wife just went through a miscarriage. We ask you to bless them. It's a great difficulty for them. Bless them, God. Bring them through this. Just put your arms around them and love them and carry them through. We trust you for God. We love you. We thank you for all this in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you. You may return to your seats. Take your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. What do you think of when I say the word money? What comes to your mind? It better not be Oh no. He's going to preach on He wants my money. I don't want your money. I don't care about your money. God's got more than you do. What do you think about when you think about money? Now, A.W. Tozer, great man of God. I encourage you, any book you can get from A.W. Tozer, get it, read it. It's wonderful. Uh, He wrote some outstanding books. But he made this statement. What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. That's a great thought. What comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Wow. Uh, and I'm going to give you my corollary. What you think about when you think about money. It's not as important as what you think about when you think about God, but it does say an awful lot about us. What do you think about when you think about Money. Now, we've been going through Acts chapter 20. We understand uh, Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon or money. You cannot serve God and money. So are you serving God or are you serving money? Which one? In, In Acts chapter 20, Paul says a lot about money in these last few verses. Let's go to Acts 20. And pick up in verse 33, Paul said, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. Now, I forgot to mention as we've been going through this chapter, some of you weren't here at the beginning, Paul is headed toward Jerusalem. He, he didn't want to stop at Ephesus. He knew it would take too long so he was nearby, he sent for the Ephesian elders to come, and he spoke to them. And we've looked at what he's, the things that he said to them, which were very powerful the last two or three weeks. Um, but he told them, you're not going to see me anymore. He knows he's going to die soon. They're going to ultimately behead him in Rome. But he talks to them. And he talked about money there. Look what he said again in verse 33. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Now coveting, covetousness is dealt with in the 10th commandment. When God said, thou shalt not covet basically anything, your neighbor's wife or goods or ox or sheep or anything. Don't covet. Covetousness is a major sin that we don't talk about very much. And I think we don't talk about very much because the truth is we're all guilty of it sometimes. We are. Uh, You see that uh, car driving down the street. Or The other day I was in the, the food line parking lot. and Just as I'm getting out, this brand new Corvette pulled in next to me. How do they keep making those cars better and better looking every time? And I, the guy got out and said, man, that's a nice car. He's like, thank you. He was very proud of that car. I mean, it was brand new. He just got it. He was proud of it. He liked that car. But I looked at him get out and it sat approximately two inches off the ground. I said, I don't think I could get in and out of that car. He's like, "Ah, oh, you get used to it. He's trying to talk me into getting one. There will have been a little bit of coveting going on there, you know. We do that sometimes. Now I'm not going out and getting a Corvette. Uh, uh, no midlife crisis. I'm past that. Um, I drive a minivan. i us just be honest with you. I don't even know why. We don't even have kids at home. Why do I drive a minivan? Because my wife likes it, and we do like to to travel. And uh, we got in that minivan, drove all the way to California. And if you're going to drive to California, a Honda Civic is not the way to go. <laughs> it's just not. Uh, you'll be glad if you have a minivan. It's a, it's, a, it's a nice one. It's a Honda, and it drives good. But uh, I know it's not cool. My son says, Dad, I will never drive a minivan. I'm like, I don't care. I'm too old to worry about what people think of me about what I drive. I'm not trying to impress people. I'm past that. I have better sense these days. But you know what? We don't talk about coveting because sometimes we all do it a little bit. So we think, ah, it's no big deal. You know what? It's sin. It is sin. Uh, the Bible is very clear about it. Luke 12, 15, Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Jesus said, beware of covetousness. Wow. Colossians 3, 5 says covetousness, which is idolatry. Ouch. Now, we don't think of idolatry as no big deal, do we? He's over there bowing down and worshiping false gods. That's bad. That's really bad. He's coveting. Ah, That's no big deal. Wrong. They're the same thing. That's what God said. It's the same thing. We don't want to think of it that way because we're guilty of it sometimes. And when you are, confess it and be done with it. Don't let it rule your life. Ephesians 5 5 talks about a covetous man who is an idolater. Again, twice the Bible says coveting is idolatry. It's bad. Let's go to 1 Timothy Chapter 6, we're coming back to Acts, but go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6 for a minute. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You were born naked and with nothing, and you're going out the same way. They might have you dressed in the coffin, but and I can pile all your money in the coffin with you. We leave with nothing. Verse 8, and having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. All he said was food and raiment, which is clothing. How many of us would be content if we had a big closet full of clothes and a pantry stuffed with food and we didn't have a house? (laughs) You wouldn't be very content neither would I, but that's what he said, food, raiment, be content. You don't need a house, car? Forget the Corvette, I'll take a Pinto, moped, something. We got to get around. See, we would not be content if all we had was food and clothes. I see everybody here is clothed, thank you. Uh, And I I trust everyone has eaten today, and if you haven't and you don't have the ability to get food, see me after the service, I'll make sure you get some food. Um, But we're not really content with that, are we? But that's what God said, food and clothing be content. Paul went around traveling all the time. Maybe he had a house home in uh, Tarsus, but I don't know if he did. Somebody else was living in it. He was gone for years. This is toward the end of his third missionary journey, which was four years long. And the time in between the second missionary journey was three, that was a three-year trip, and the fourth... A third was very minimal. So basically, Paul's been gone from home pretty much for seven years. He doesn't even know if he still has a house left, if he had one. He wasn't worried about a house. He's got food. He's got clothes. He was content. Wow. We could learn a lot from that, couldn't we? Be content with such things as you have, Hebrews said. Why? Because we have Jesus. If you have Jesus... You should be content. I know it's easier said than done. I understand. All right, let's go on here in 1 Timothy 6. Verse 9, it says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. That's the verse many people know which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They that will be rich. Listen, if it's your goal to be rich, that's sin. It's not a sin to be rich. But they that will be rich. When it's your goal, money, money, money. I'm going to make money. That's sin. It's wrong. They that will be rich. It's their desire. He said they've, they've... Fallen, departed from the faith, erred from the faith, pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Ah, oh. people going after money have caused, them, caused themselves so many problems, uh, so many. You wanna, do you want to uh, know one of the surest ways to end up Bankrupt? Buy lottery tickets. Now, first of all, buying lottery tickets. Somebody said the lottery is for people who cannot do math. This is true. Because buying lottery tickets is a bad plan. Well, well, yeah, I don't spend that much. I'm not going to go bankrupt from buying lottery tickets. No. No, buying the lottery tickets isn't what is most likely to make you bankrupt. It's winning the lottery. Seventy percent of lottery winners declare bankruptcy within five years. Look it up if you don't believe me. I did before I said it, don't worry. Seventy percent of people who win the lottery or by some other means come into a huge financial windfall go bankrupt within five years. They don't know how to handle money. Look, the truth is, I don't think we have any millionaires in here, at least not multi-millionaires, certainly no billionaires. If you are one, see me after, so just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, could you really handle a few hundred million dollars? I wouldn't know what to do with that. Because what happens, this is the main reason they go bankrupt is because of their friends and family. Because as soon as you win, Your third cousin's brother's mother's sister's dog catcher wants to money from you. And they start giving money out and giving money out. And once you start that, it's really hard to stop. And next thing you know, all the money's gone. And in the meantime, you bought a house with a huge mortgage and quit your job and you can't afford anything anymore. It's all gone. 70 percent declare bankruptcy within five years be content lotteries for people who are not content right by the way the state gets half the money they only give out half of what comes in it's a tax on poor people That's what the lottery is it's an extra tax. The government makes a lot of money. And why are there lotteries in, I don't know if they're in every state, pretty close to every state. Why? Because people are covetous. Right? Why do people buy lottery tickets? I want a million dollars, hundred million, billion. I don't know what it pays out anymore. I, have, I can honestly tell you I've never in my life bought a lottery ticket, and I don't plan to start. Uh, there's no reason to. God's not going to let you win that. He he loves you too much to let you win and destroy your life. The divorce rate is four to five times higher for people who win the lottery, along with bankruptcy. Most likely, you will end up divorced and bankrupt. Sound like a good plan? No, don't buy the dumb lottery ticket. People coveting, wanting. I, I used this illustration a few years ago. I'm going to use it again, some of you don't remember. Put the picture up. Do you know what this is? That's a dung beetle. Now, you know what dung is, don't you? It's what comes out of the back end of an animal. Okay. I guess out of people too. Uh, These beetles, and there are dung beetles on every continent except Antarctica. These beetles collect dung. And roll it into a ball. That ball's kind of impressive, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's really round. That's, that's well done. That's an impressive little beetle there. They roll it into balls, and then they even fight over it. One beetle, he's lazy. He doesn't want to make his own, so he goes in to steal a dung ball from another beetle. I guess if you're a real, real big dung beetle, let somebody else do the work and go and steal it. And the females will mate with the dung beetle with the biggest ball of dung. Whoever gets the most dung gets the girl. She lays her eggs in it and the larvae eat it. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And we think we're different. (laughs) The guy that collects the most The girls go for them, don't they? Because what does the Bible say about money? Five times the Bible says money is filthy lucre. What's more filthy than dung? And these beetles are fighting over it and using it to get the girl. We look at the dung beetle with disgust. All they do is collect dung. Dung. You ever wonder is that how God sees us sometimes? Because Paul gave up everything he had and in Philippians 3.8 he said, I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. Paul was well off. He was well off before he got saved. He was high up In Jewish religion, he would have been well-paid, set financially. He was in good shape, highly respected, lots of money. He said, I gave it all up. It's just dung, like the dung beetle. And we look at the dung beetle, and it's disgusting. And God says, and what are you doing? You ever wonder if God looks down and just says, why is it that my people who say they love me chase after dung more than they chase after me? They seek money more than they seek me. Now, of course, God doesn't say why. He knows us. He understands. But, but I do believe it breaks God's heart. When Christians... Get caught up in money, money, money. It's sad. It's just dumb. Ecclesiastes 5.9 says, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. You love money, money will not satisfy you. People who set their eyes on money are never satisfied. How much money is enough? A little bit more. A little bit more. I, I just got to make more. You have 100 million. Well, I want 200 million. Well, you have 200 million. I want 300. You have five, six, seven hundred million. 700 million. I want to be a billionaire. They always want more, more, more. It's never enough. Money does not satisfy. It can't. Proverbs 27, 20 says, hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. We're never satisfied. Money can't satisfy. I had a man some years ago, it wasn't here, so it's no, it's no one you know. He told me one day, he said, tithing doesn't work for me. What do you mean tithing doesn't work for you? You know, God does bless tithing. He said, tithing doesn't work for me. Well, I found out later this man was making a lot of money. In fact, between him and his wife, their income would have at that time, this was a number of years ago, would have put them in the top 10% in the United States. I mean, here he is, top 10%. I looked that up too, by the way. If your family income is about $167,000, you're in the top 10% in the United States. And we may have some in here that are there. I I don't know anybody's income. I don't even know my own for that matter. I'm not even joking. I don't know what I make. God takes care of me. This man was in the top 10% in the United States living in an area that was not expensive. It wasn't around here. He lived in an area where it was much cheaper to live. He's making in the top 10% in the United States, and he says, tithing doesn't work for me. I don't know why God doesn't bless me like he blesses other people. Well, here was the problem. He worked for doctors. He worked on their homes. He was a really good carpenter. I mean, top-notch. And he worked on doctor's homes, and these doctors made hundreds of thousands a year. You know, he's in the top 10%. They're in the top five. And what he had did not compare to what these doctors had. And so even though he was better off than almost anyone else he knew, he thought he wasn't making it. Because he was coveting what those doctors had. And his covetousness robbed him of joy. He wasn't content. He really was quite well off. I didn't make near as much as he was making. I thought I was doing fine. But he wasn't content. Covetousness robs you of joy. It really is it's rooted in discontent to begin with and then it just causes more discontent. You'll be miserable if you're covetous. Romans 6.16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey? His servants ye are to whom ye obey. We become servants to what we obey. When you start going after money, you become a slave to money. You'll be the servant of money. And covetousness, the sin, traps you. And all you're thinking is, I gotta get more money. I'm quitting this job and going over here because I can make more money. Or I'm, I had a man do this when I was in Alabama. He left our church to go move away where he could get more money, where he could not find a decent church, and his kids are a mess. He didn't care about the things of God. That wasn't his priority. It was money. Got to have the money. He told me where I am, there's no good churches. Why are you there? Money. It's not a good plan. It ruins lives. Covetousness will destroy you. Money is a good tool. We need money. It's a tool. We use it. You know, the electric bill here, we have lights going on. Uh, we have heat in this building. Aren't you glad it's like 35, 40 degrees, whatever it is outside? I'm glad we have heat. I'm glad we have lights. I'm not up here with a candle trying to read my notes. Uh, we do. Most, if not everybody here has a car. You have a place to live. Money is a good tool. It's a terrible master. Money's a good tool to help. Others. We're sending a lot of money down to Peru right now. I, I mentioned when I prayed, Brother brother Marino, his wife, just had a, a, a miscarriage. And she had to have a, a DNC, which is sometimes necessary after a miscarriage. They didn't have the money. They couldn't afford it. It's the equivalent of $200. And, and I spoke this week to his uh, his sending pastor there in Peru, in uh, Trujillo. And I talked to him, and he said, he told me, he said, he's got this need. Would you want to help with that? I said, absolutely. What do I need to do? He said, if you want to cover it, I can give him the money. You can just pay me back. I said, do it. So I spent $200 for missions for covering, taking care of that for that man. I, I mean, honestly, we can do that easily for him. That's a huge amount of money. It's a lot. He doesn't make but a few hundred dollars a month. He, that's a big Money th- Money's a tool we should use to help people. Not be covetousness. Uh, covetous. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the lid. No, just, just give. Bless people. Help others. So don't be covetous. Let's look next back in... Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 34, Paul said, yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. What does that mean? Paul said, listen, you know, when I had a need, I worked. Paul worked with his hands. He made tents, that's that's recorded for us. Paul was a tent maker, was his occupation before. He knew how to make tents. He'd been trained in that, probably by his father. So Paul, when he got to cities and needed money, he didn't walk around, help, help me. I need your help. I need this, I need that. No, he would go and start making tents, sell them, presumably. He said, I not only supported myself, I supported those that were with me. He wasn't afraid to work. Work is good. I know it's a four-letter word, but it's not a bad one. Understand, God established work. Genesis 2.15, understand, the fall of man was in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis Genesis 2.15 tells us, God took the man, he put him in the garden, And he told him to dress it and keep it. That was before God created Eve. God gave man a job. He gave him work to do. Work is good. Men need to work. Go to work. Don't sit around and be lazy. Get up and get to work. My pastor used to tell people if they were out of a job, he'd say, how many hours of work a week do you plan to work? 40, then spend 40 hours looking for a job. You spend 40 hours looking for a job, most likely you'll find one. There are jobs out there. I know we have tough times economically. Things do happen. Um, I have seen over my life, people that are hard workers are rarely out of work for very long because hard workers are hard to find. I've been an employer, hard workers are hard to find. Honest people are hard to find. Work, work hard, it's good for you. Now, some people can't work. I understand that. Paul addressed that in verse 35. I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. If somebody physically can't work, then we should help them. That's what's right. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with social programs. Some of the social programs are designed foolishly, especially if the government's behind it. Almost everything they do is designed foolishly. Some of the stuff you read is like, what are you thinking? Who thought of this? I, Third graders could do better. I'm not, I don't need to get off on that. Uh, work. Proverbs twenty-one twenty-five says, "The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor." The lazy man, he won't go to work. He desires. He went. Oh, I wish I had food like that. Then get up and work. Go play in there. Those days go. Plant your field. If you don't sow, you don't reap. Imagine a farmer who's too lazy to go out and plow the field and plant the corn. He's not going to eat when it's harvest time, is he? People who won't work shouldn't eat. If they can't work, we should help them. Uh, That's the right thing to do. Uh, But we shouldn't be lazy. And guys, listen, 40 hours a week. That's the norm in America. I don't know where that came from. Somebody made it up one day. Um, I'm not against it, but it, it's, it's random. They could have said 39, 45, 12, whatever. Somebody decided 40 hours, that's a full-time job. If you can't make it working 40 hours a week, then work 60. Get another job. Uh, to me, 40 hours a week is a part-time job. That's that's there's 168 hours in the week you're not even working fourth of the time the bible says to work six days a week take one day of rest Ooh, it got quiet in here (laughs) nobody likes the sound of that huh you like those two days off don't you If you can, if you're getting by on that, praise the Lord. But if you're not making it, I've seen too many guys over the years, usually young guys that don't have a real good job and they're struggling to make it financially and they don't know what to do. And they're working 40 hours a week and might get a second job. It won't kill you. I've worked more than one job. Most guys have, it won't hurt you work. You need to, you need to support your family. Get out there and work. If you're making on 40 hours, praise the Lord. Praise God. You can take those two days off. Maybe even get three. Uh, before God called me into ministry, I only worked four days a week. It was great. And they paid me for 40, and I only worked 34. I worked two nine-hour shifts uh, during the day and two night shifts of eight hours. And since I had the split shift, they counted it as 40 hours. My God, like, I like this plan. It was awesome. While well, it lasted, And God called me into ministry. And I was like, 40 hours, that's nothing. Uh, you took half the week off. But uh, I don't really work 80, but I do work more than 40. Just work. Don't be afraid of it. It's good for you. Um, Ephesians 4.32 says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor. Notice what it says. It's very important. Working with his hands. I got the wrong verse up there. Um, I know the verse, I just don't know the reference apparently. I think it's 428 actually. It says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing that is good, that he may give to him that needeth. That's Ecclesiastes. Try Ephesians 428. I want people to see this. There it is. Don't steal anymore. Work with your hands so you can have to take care of your needs. Is that what it says? No, it says so you can have to give to him that needs. Money's a tool to be used to help others. That's what we should be doing. It's a tool. Give. You know, God has you in your job for a reason. You work where you work for a reason. God has you there so you can feed your family. God has you there so you can get money to help others. He also has you there to reach all those people you work with. How am I going to reach the people you work with with the gospel? I don't know them. But you do. And God has you there. And God wants you to tell them about Jesus. Amen. Oh, I can't do that. You can pray for them. You start by praying for them every day and you watch what God does. He'll start opening doors. You'll start saying things, that I can't believe I said that. Wow. I don't even know where the words came from. It's the Holy Spirit. He'll help you. You start praying for them. God put you there for a reason. Don't let your coworkers go to hell pray for them and God has you there to get money to give to others to help other people and listen if you are here I've known a lot of people in my life that were disabled I understand not everybody can work if you can't work don't sit at home watching tv all day now some people really can't do anything more than that if you can find something to do to help others volunteer somewhere go fix things for people crochet things for people do something because sitting around all day watching tv is not going to help you it's going to hurt you it's hard I've seen a lot of men that were disabled it's hard on men the nature of a man is to work now we all are, have a little bit of laziness in us. We'd love to sit home and you know just watch the money roll in. But men need to work. They need to. Find something. Volunteer somewhere, somehow, some way. Find a job on a computer to help people, tutor people, do something. Find a way. Find something you can do to help people. Even if you can't physically do it. Uh, enough or well enough to get paid. That's all right. Don't worry about getting paid. Just help people. It'll help you to do it. And let's look finally in uh, verse 35, Acts 20, verse 35. We read the beginning so laboring, you ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's better to give than to receive. You think, I sure do like receiving, but you know what? If you're a parent, you know, parents know Christmas is more fun when you're giving to your kids than what it was being a kid getting the gifts. It's way more fun as a parent. I love Christmas. Now my kids are grown, but the grandkids are just starting to get it. And they get excited. I love to give to my granddaughters. Oops, there I went and did it. My son says, I cannot preach a message without mentioning my granddaughters. (laughs) I guess he's right. It's great to give. Giving is more fun than receiving. To know somebody has a need and to be able to give it to them, it's awesome. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. Then try it. Just go to the store some. Tomorrow, find somebody has a need. Just give them something. These days, give them some plastic bags because you can't get those in the (laughs) the store anymore. I cannot. I put bags in the in the van to take into the grocery store. They never make it. Every time I go to checkout, bags are in the car. Went yesterday. One of many things. I just loaded it back in the cart. Said it's all right. Just put them in the cart. Went to the van, loaded them in the bags right there. <laughs> I'm tired of buying those stupid paper bags. I don't even like them. They don't have handles. You need to put handles on those things. Anyway, give. Bless somebody. Go to Aldi and Give someone a quarter. They'll be happy for that so they can get the cart. Just find a way to give. You know what's interesting? Paul said, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's not recorded anywhere. That's not in any of the Gospels. Where did Paul get that? It was either oral, you know, they orally had passed it along because Jesus did a whole lot more than what was recorded. John told us that. Or God just directly revealed to Paul that Jesus said this. "Um, It's good to give. Be a giver. God is the greatest giver. In Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. God is a giver, and he blesses giving. Be a giver. Just today, as I was getting the microphone put on, somebody gave me a testimony, did not know what I was preaching, and talked about how God had led him to give a couple things, and then God blessed him beyond what he could even imagine. He couldn't believe it, how much God blessed us. He said, you don't even know what I'm preaching today. God blesses giving. He always has, because He's a giver. We can't take it with us, but we can send it on up ahead. In Matthew 19, Jesus said, Don't put your treasure here on earth where where thieves steal, where rust and moth corrupt. Put your treasure in heaven. Send it on up ahead. Give to missions. That's sending it ahead. Be a giver. Don't make an idol out of money. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? He made that idol, told everybody to bow down and worship it. What was it made out of? Gold. The children of Israel, Moses went up in the mountain. He was there too long talking to God. They thought he was there too long. They said, well, what happened to Moses? Aaron, make us an image. Make us a God. What did Aaron use? Gold. Made a golden calf that they bowed down to and worshipped it. Money turns into an idol with very little effort. We have to work to not let it be an idol. Don't let money be your idol. How do you do that? Just remember who the source is. It's God. God's the source of everything. Every penny you have came from him. So surrender it all to him. God, it's all yours. You gave it to me. To use it properly, not to hoard it, but to use it for your glory. Thank him. Remember that it's a tool. It's like a hammer. Hammer's a good tool when you have to pound nails. You know, using a crescent wrench or something else. It doesn't work very well. Most of us guys have done that at some point. A hammer is a wonderful tool. Money's a tool. You don't bow down and worship your tools. I hope you don't. Money's a tool. Remember that. Don't covet it. Use it for the glory of God. Are you serving God or serving money? Let's serve God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You've blessed us, God. We are very, very blessed here. Compared to the rest of the world, we have so much. We really do. I I, I know most of us Very, very few in here would consider themselves rich, if anybody. And yet, God, compared to the rest of the world, we have a lot. We are blessed. Help us, God, to have the right attitude toward money, to be givers, to help people in need, to honor you with it. Your word says, honor the Lord with your substance. Help us to do that, God put our eyes on you to seek you more than we seek money now God have your will and your way in this invitation we trust you and we thank you for it in Jesus name amen let's stand together we're going to sing a song of invitation now this has not been a salvation message but listen if you're here today and you don't know 100 for sure that if you died today you would go to heaven I want you to come and let one of these people show you from the Word of God how you can be saved. Now, some of you are noticing we got a lot more people up here than we normally do. And let me tell you why. Some of you are carrying burdens. You're hurting. Your marriage is hurting. Your kids are in trouble. You have financial problems. You're, you've got serious health issues, you're facing something this week, problems at work, whatever it is, or you know somebody, your, your cousin, brother, neighbor, whatever, is having a problem, I don't want you to walk out of here carrying that burden. As we sing the invitation, I want you to come up, find one of these people, men with men, ladies with ladies. You can kneel at the altar, you can sit in the pew, Let's, you can stay there standing, let someone pray with you about that the bible says bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ don't be embarrassed to come up here i don't know anybody that doesn't need prayer when my wife had that accident you better believe i've reached out for prayer and i 100 percent credit the prayers of god's people for saving her life god answers prayer you need prayer you can't if you want to pray yourself you can do that we want to help you though come now as we sing if you need to come you're carrying a burden let someone help you with that whatever you say they'll keep it to themselves I I, I clearly told everybody you don't share that with your spouse with me with no one unless they tell you it's okay so you can feel confident this person's gonna pray for me and they're gonna keep it quiet it's between you and them and God but they're not only gonna pray for you today they're gonna keep praying for you so come now we'll sing one more verse We, we are going, this is what we're going to do. We've got several things still going, but don't worry, you'll be out of here in just a minute. Uh, we're going, we have a business meeting. We're going to dismiss for five minutes, then we'll start the business meeting. I, I know sometimes our guests don't want to stay for business meeting. You're welcome to. We don't care. We're not trying to hide anything. You're welcome to stay, but if you don't want to, that's fine. So we're going to close the service five minutes we'll start the business meeting we do have a connection lunch downstairs for those that signed up for that and if you're here for the first time you're welcome to join us they'll shoot me for that i don't care god will multiply the food we'll have plenty of food we always have plenty of food so i'm not worried about it uh if we don't have enough food you have mine i'll go buy some chicken somewhere whatever we'd love to have you join us for lunch we're going to be downstairs the connection lunch is for people who have Come in, we've had a lot of people join the church in the last year, and we praise the Lord for that. So we, we invite you to come. Pastor Chuck's gonna dismiss us in prayer. I, I'm gonna give you just one prayer request that I, I know, Brother George, I'm assuming this is okay. I'm gonna check with you first. Which, yes, because uh, I knew he put it out. He's, he is working on a government contract and the contract is expiring and he needs a new job. So pray for Brother George. Uh, to get a job quickly or that they would change their mind and decide to extend that contract. So, Pastor Chuck.
3: Before we pray, I just want to mention uh, two cool things. We have our Senior Adult Luncheon on Tuesday. Please come and join us at 1130. If you think you're a senior, maybe a senior, want to be a senior, just come. It'll be fun. We have a great time. Play a little, some games, eat some good food, have some great fellowship. And we have our church retreat this weekend. So be praying about that. If you haven't signed up, you can still sign up. I'm going to be making calls tomorrow. So let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for the service. Lord, help us to be good stewards with what you've given us. You've blessed us with so much. Give us a great day and a great week. We love you. Help us to be lights in the darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.